the Totally Football Show, American Edition. Atlanta, our MLS champions, and we break down how United took the cup and made the world fall in love. Hello and welcome to the Totally Football Show American Edition. This is the final episode of the season and boy has it flown by. Joining me today are Venice Beach FC's Tim Walsh. Hello. Scooted all the way here. <laughs> and once again, City of Angels FC's PJ Harrison. Hi. I drove here. Yeah, you drove here. Eventually. You, had a, you got in at two in the morning, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. From uh, sunny Minneapolis. <laughs> Gotta love it. Let's get back into the football and what we're here to talk about. You know, we just had on uh, over the weekend a fabulous game. Atlanta United took on the Portland Timbers in Atlanta, and what a show it was, a spectacle indeed. And I'm, I'm referring to everything on the field. Everything that happened around it, it was great and it's fabulous, but the game itself – I thought I thought it was pretty good. It wasn't like super exciting, and the reason I say that is because it fell into exactly what we said was going to mm-hmm. happen in this game. We had a Portland team that that tended to sit back, absorb the pressure, and then to try to come out and play. And we knew that that high press was coming from Atlanta, and that they were going to try to go go after this Portland defense. And when it came down to it, a, a couple of critical mistakes on the part of Portland. They had been playing on that knife's edge towards the latter part of the season and the whole playoffs and finally this time you know they got cut they got yeah. cut by it and Atlanta took advantage when you have players like Joseph Martinez Miguel Amaron you know and Tata Martino just kind of orchestrating everything it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and this time Atlanta you know they took it too and they walked off the field as MLS Cup champions second year mm-hmm. only their second year in MLS pretty fabulous I'm happy yeah. for Tata that you know after they missed out on the uh, shield he was talking about his regrets, so it's good that he can walk away to the new job and the next part of his career with, with you know, yeah. having absolved himself of all yeah. of that. He's all the curses, right? A lot of curses. <laughs> and, you know, what did you say, the, the curse side. of Atlanta? The curse of Atlanta, the curse for Tata. You know, this, this is a pretty special one all the way around. Yeah, I think Tata kind of cemented himself as a local hero in that city. He's leaving on good terms. Um, but, yeah, what a fabulous game. I think, you know, like you said, it's what we expected, the high pressure of Atlanta. Um, and... They sent that message, I think, in the first 15, 20 seconds, right after kickoff. Watch Miguel Almiron. He he charged at Portland Timbers defense and chased them down for 15, 20 seconds straight, letting them know, like, this is our day, you know. Yeah, do, do you think that Portland came out the right way? I mean, I look at this game, and it's like they almost did the exact same thing that the New York Rebels did as, and allowed Atlanta to really – get establish their rhythm establish their game at home look every every player knows every coach tells you first 15 minutes you know we got to absorb yes you understand that but they went the whole uh, you know 30 40 minutes until they got scored on mm-hmm. to to really try to start coming out of their shell I'd, I'd even argue it was the second half where portland started to come out of their shell and then you're looking at them start to create chances and they're pushing the pace of the game and they're creating and i'm like 
why didn't you do this at the beginning? At least come out and try to go toe-to-toe with this Atlanta side. Yeah, try and quiet the crowd. I mean, that's the classic away game mentality. Silence the crowd for the first 20 minutes and then grow into the game. And I'm not sure anyone could have quieted that crowd because <laughs> it was pretty spectacular. But, I mean, what did you think of the, the, the tactical decision there from Portland? It looked like they were trying to weather a storm. And I think the way that, you know, they did an okay job for the first half until that 40th minute. And I think that goal was, was the way it happened took a lot of, you know, wind out of their sails and maybe it woke them up going into the second half. But I think that type of goal, you know, you could say it came off of their own mistake. They gave it to them. It was a, you know, horrible touch or deflection from Ebobisi and, it's the type of goal that, you know, can can take away some confidence or get the team looking at each other a little bit once they get into the locker room. So I think that was the breaking point. You know, who knows if they get into the it, to halftime 0-0, could be a completely different second half. But um, I think that's, you know, all the crowd needed to continue all that energy going into the second half and fully support their team. So it was it was a tough break for Portland, but... You know, it's a type of goal that's scored when you're, you know, you're playing a little scared or you're, you're not fully confident in, you know, your, the way your team's playing. I think you see that touch, but then you also see um, Portland's back line. You know, there was one or two players keeping them onside, and then Joseph Martinez. In that moment, one thing amazes me about this guy is his composure around the goal. You know, he always seems like he's the calmest player in the box takes on a goal he scores there's not even any emotion in the celebrations <laughs> you know it looks like he he couldn't be bothered by the stage he's on and just does his job so um yeah it was interesting and and whatever Savarese said at halftime gave him a little bit more energy going into the second half they started to attack but nothing came together and and like we spoke about Valeri Maybe the one time he didn't step up, you know? Yeah, I, I think looking at this game in total, that was one of the things that stood out for me. Valeri uh, had an okay game, but for me, he had a disappointing part of his game was the service off mm-hmm. of set pieces. And we had talked about Atlanta had struggled off of corners and off of set pieces. And when they did get a set piece opportunity, the quality wasn't there. Rarely, rarely did the ball beat the first man. And you have to do that. Just put it in that area and allow your exceptional attackers to come forward and try to do something, you know, on the offensive side of things. Uh, looking at Portland and the way that first goal came about, multiple, multiple issues, you know, all the way around. Obviously, Ababisi's got to do much better off of his first touch. And even when he allows that first touch to get away with him, it's almost casual to get to the ball and get it off of his feet. He's got to realize he's in a dangerous position. Parkhurst does an excellent job Mm -hmm. of being aggressive and winning that tackle, you know, right off the bat. And then at that point, you see the back line of Portland they, they got caught off guard. They weren't expecting the unexpected. Mm-hmm. Ridgewell's caught on the wrong side of the ball. A great touch from Joseph Martinez. And then the composure, as you said, allows him to slot that, that ball into the back of the net. And I think it was, uh, I believe, if I'm not correct, it was Mabiala in the back yeah. that actually kept Joseph Martinez offside. So late coming out yeah. of the bat. And when it comes down to it, when that goal happened, I was like, okay, this is what the scoreline should be. Because Mabiala should have been 
carded, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, it should have been a penalty, mm-hmm. you know, earlier on as he, uh, I think it, I think it was Martinez that he mm-hmm. took down in the box, but the referee allowed that one to go. I don't know how the VAR did not catch that one. I think it was one of those situations where VAR, VAR is just like, okay, it has to be clear and obvious, which it was, but I think they're just like, well, we don't want to affect the game, mm-hmm. you know, so early on. Yeah, which is the whole point of VR, it affects the game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know, on Friday you, you spoke about uh, Portland and the set pieces and they just couldn't come up with the, the, with the delivery. Yeah, the the, the service was not there. They're, they're, they have been so dangerous. And, you know, even before the game, if you're looking, you're, you're looking and listening to everything that's being talked about this game, when everyone mentions Portland, it's about how dangerous they are off of set pieces. And, and the, it was non-existent. In this match, I think they had one opportunity. Uh, Ebo BC had a great, great header on goal, but I mean, if you look at this game, Gazan stepped up, huge save, and yeah. and I think if you if you go and look at this game and say who's your star performer from Atlanta, not in the whole season, but this game specifically, it's hard to pick one. Which I think is all the signs of a great championship winning team is there were a lot of players who stepped up and won their one on one battles on the day. Um, Gazan. One called upon, big save. As we spoke about before the game, Greg Garza was going to be influential. I think he had a really solid game. There's a lot of players who, who did their jobs, and you can't say the same for Portland. One player who wasn't there was uh, 18-year-old homegrown Andrew Carlton, mm. who was excluded not just from the game, but from the celebrations, from the field, uh, because of reports that he upset Sasa with a Snapchat post of partying the night before Ooh. Um, is that true he was par- partying the night before the game allegedly that was the allegedly? Yeah, allegedly. Allegedly. allegedly well if it's true then then yeah I mean that's just stupid and that's a young man you know learning a hard lesson mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. and that's difficult it's necessary but you know in this I mean after all this time you would think people would learn you know it's amazing it's ama- I, I don't know I, I don't believe it should be the club's responsibility to you know, I don't think you should mollycoddle everybody. Um, it's hard to know where the club's liaisons end and then the players begin sometimes. I do know of a high-profile England international who has a private Snapchat, although private in the sense that it's followed by like 400 friends, <laughs> where he, you know, he crushes beers after games and not like one or two, but, you know, seven, eight, nine. He ain't listening. You can call him out. <laughs> and... You know, that's something that's going to bite him at some point. Of course. And it's amazing it's gone this far without it. So, yeah. yeah, young players out there, be careful with the social media. Stay off the Snapchat. Yeah, it's, it's, Who uses look, Snapchat anyway? It, it, <laughs> the very, very young, I guess. The I kids. Don't know. Because it, 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 uh, it doesn't disappear, okay? <laughs> let's, nothing let's, disappears. Let's, nothing disappears. It's always permanent. Um, one player, I mean, if we had to give a shout out to a couple of players, you said like on Atlanta, you know, you're you're going with Guzan. I mean, I, I have to give credit to one player that I actually thought played well, uh, that played really well and was hustling everywhere for Portland, and that was Diego Chara. Mm. You know, he was all over the place. And you see there's there's moments where he is chasing down, you know, Almaron with the ball, with running with the ball. Very few players in this league can mm-hmm. do that. He was everywhere and and I mentioned it in the previous podcast. How how long was he going to last before he got a card? He did end up picking one up at the towards the very end of the yeah. match, as always. But you know, I thought he had an excellent match. You know, just uh, dominating and winning a lot of balls in that midfield area as needed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but 
for Portland to be doing really well, he shouldn't be doing that. Oh, yeah, you know exactly. What I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I completely agree. You you want him not having to do a whole <laughs> lot. It just tells you the, the amount of possession and yeah, the amount of ball, yeah. ball movement that Atlanta had. But, you know, I'm just saying, if I have to pick someone that stood out for me on the positive was uh, was Diego Chara. Secondly would be, you know, even regardless of, of the critical mistake from Ebebise, you know, I, I think he did a, a pretty decent job mm-hmm. of holding the ball up as he needed to do, he he almost made up for that one mistake where, like you said, with the free header, you know, in the goal, he's got to put that in the back of the net. That could completely change change the match if he if he's able to score that one goal. Um, but I think there's a lot of potential, you know, for the future when we look at this Portland side. A lot of, I feel, some changes, mm-hmm. you know, may, may come may come about, but. I think they have a good chance under Savadesi. Remember, this is his first year, yeah. you know, as coach of this Portland team. What I did like is that, and I want to get this just right, is that this was Giovanni Savadesi's team, not a Caleb Porter team anymore. Yeah. You didn't hear anyone talking about, oh, this is Caleb Porter's, you know, he made this team or whatever. This was Giovanni Savadesi's team now, and he did an excellent job of getting them to the playoffs, the performance that they had in the playoffs. And I'm excited to see what he can do now that he has a little bit of the Timbers behind him mm-hmm. and the Rose City supporting him and what he can do moving forward with that. Yeah, and I think if you look at the West, um, you know, going into next year, this is good momentum for Portland. There's there's a lot of teams who are going through change um, who I don't think have a lot of – good things to to be excited about for next year there's a lot of questions um for most of these teams on the west and portland i think can go into next year feeling really confident building on this year um knowing they they got good momentum but they they also have a good squad with not a lot of turnover i don't think we'll see um it's got to go down as a good season you know this they, they exceeded expectations yeah and technically, they're the second best team in MLS, and the best team in MLS are about to go through a complete restructure with the coach and mm-hmm. probably several stars leaving. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, onwards and upwards for Portland. Yeah. Well, uh, here's the big issue though for for Portland. You say there's not going to be a lot of change, but should there? You know, we look at now. Now, give yeah, me a second. You You're talking to push about on. you've got Chara, mm-hmm. you know, and Valeri. They're going to be 33, mm-hmm. I believe. Now you're starting to hit that edge, you yep. know, with those players. What does one more year do, you know, to, to those players, especially a player like Chara that is running all over the place? And then you got Ridgewell in the back. You know, he's going to be 34, you know, probably at that. Mm-hmm. Or is he 34 now 34, or 34 yeah. at that point? Now he's a leader of the team, but remember, I think the big turning point for this Portland side was when Savarese benched Ridgewell mm-hmm. you know early on I think that was the first step of Savarese establishing his dominance on the team what's he going to be like in this uh, upcoming year it's it seems like he's gotten on board with everything but we'll see with the age and that factor how that how that affects this team going forward and and who can Portland bring in this that's going to be the interesting part I would be say at 21 I mean you know rookie that's that's great you know mm-hmm. that's that's great for the future but we'll see uh, what other changes they make. We talk about this team all the time, about uh, how they really depend on the youth, and that's FC Dallas. You know, they've made quite a few changes in this uh, short trade window, 
Yep. Is that it? One day. The one day. The one, the one day, day window, window which with time it? difference is probably more like half a day. Uh, yeah, yeah, half a day or so. And it looks like, uh, you know, just a quick note: Max Arudi, you know, from FC Dallas, he's off to the Montreal Impact for seventy-five thousand dollars in TAM money. You know, at least it's a transfer from the Western Conference to the Eastern Conference, so you mm-hmm. don't have to meet up with him. Another big one that I thought of note is Tesho Akindeli. Once again, FC Dallas moving him on to Orlando for a hundred thousand of TAM. That's that targeted allocation money in 2019, and fifty thousand of general allocation money in 2020. So FC Dallas once again moving along veterans yeah. to establish and or probably make room. For uh, well, if it's TAM money's involved, making some room probably for some DPS or young, young internationals coming in. Mm-hmm. We'll see how many young players from the academy system move up through yeah. that squad. And for, for any sorry, Tim, for anybody not familiar with TAM money, how does that work, Colby? Uh, for TAM money, it's it's money that you can use. So like the the seventy five thousand for Max or Rudy, you can actually you know, buy down someone's salary. So if they're making 800000 you put 75000 towards it. And now on the books, he's only making uh, $725,000. So it, it goes against the salary cap. And remember, every team has to be under a certain amount of money, you know, for the, for the, uh, for the year. You know, and, and, you know I, I know as you're looking at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Welcome to the world of, of football soccer in the United States. We got we got salary caps. We got DPs that can go above and beyond it. We got young DPs. We got uh, academy players. We got, I, I, what else is there? Well, let, let's 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 break down the acronyms a little because we, you know, unlike Friday, we definitely don't want people going on. Uh, urbandictionary.com to look up the <laughs> definition of DP. Okay. So, <laughs> designated players, right? Yes, designated players. Those are players that can uh, you can pay them anything you want and they don't count against the salary cap. Anything mm-hmm. else? TAM, targeted allocation money. Yeah. GAM, general allocation money. That's a, that's a lot yeah. of work. Yeah, yeah. the targeted <laughs> is, us- is, is towards players that, you know, are like those young internationals that you know that cost like six seven hundred thousand you know or towards your dps which i don't think anyone really puts any money there because you know they're all, they're like four or five million six mm-hmm. million you know whatever depending on what you want to pay yeah yeah it's a it's an interesting picture about how these clubs put it together and you know especially with not every team having a dp yeah yeah you know no, that, that gives them more money within the cap to recruit probably a better overall quality balance squad maybe yeah, well, you look at it and, you know, listening to the commissioner as he was being interviewed, you look, it's all how you spend it and how you use it. Because Atlanta, yes, they're probably on, you know, they have some quality players and they're on the high side, but Portland isn't in the top five, I believe, as far as the money that they spend. Mm-hmm. So it's about how you bring together a squad and that makes the importance of the staff and the general manager and the directors of soccer, whatever you want to call it, you know, more important within the game. Mm-hmm. Which is you know, encouraging to see what happened in Atlanta with these two years with Tata. Um, you know, you got to give a lot of credit to Carlos Bocanegra for helping manage that situation and allowing it to be successful because, you know, we've seen so many international managers come to the MLS with so much positive ambition. However, you know, the way this league runs compared to other leagues can make it really confusing in how you build your team uh, and, and manage all that. So uh, it it is... It's like calculus the way the way it all works. There's so many <laughs> rules and rules underneath the rules and exceptions, but um, it highlights but the guys who 
who have done that homework, the, the players, coaches who've yeah. come here with the right team around them or the right knowledge. And, you know, you can see how those people thrived because they understood the language. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think as a player or coach, if you move into MLS without an agent or somebody in your team is familiar with the workings of that, you, you could probably get eaten alive. Yeah. Yeah. It's just an understanding of, of the do's and the don'ts of what comes down to you're playing chess over here. It's not checkers. It's mm -hmm. not just, a, okay, I'm going to buy this player and I don't like him. Okay. Let's move on. Let's buy another player. No, you have salary caps and Tam, as we mentioned, and GAM and all these different things that you have to have to have a working knowledge of. You have to have that scouting system where you can get players that are valuable or better yet undervalued that can support and give to your team and i think atlanta did an excellent job of bringing in a, a few players that uh really helped that squad out you know when it comes down to it and and last thing of note before we go pt martinez has just said that he has signed for atlanta united so another that's young gonna, another young argentine this is the argentinian second league i think <laughs> yeah. over here you know but but he's he's at time with the argentina national team mm -hmm. so um another great signing you know for by carlos bocanegra and atlanta united so an exciting future for the atl so they're already rebuilding yes they they didn't wait <laughs> yeah, I can guarantee you this was was probably done a few weeks ago, but they're not waiting, you know, till after season. They're already on the move to make the replacements for Miguel Amaron. So next season, besides dealing with the loss of certain players and the coach for sure, Champions League. They're gonna have the Champions League. That's gonna be coming in. That's gonna be exciting. Yeah, you know, you look at uh, uh, the the potential of these teams. You know, you got Kansas City is going to be in it. Atlanta is going to be in it. I think New York qualifies because Atlanta won. Jeez, this is, is it's going to be incredible. <laughs> yeah. But I, I mean, after last, last Champions League where Toronto lost in the shootouts, you see just the level continuing to increase. No MLS team has won mm -hmm. the Champions League in its current version you know now we had it in the past when it was the champions cup where dc united won where the la galaxy won but since it's changed it's been dominated completely over the past years by you know mexican teams and it's interesting the format of it because the way the leagues run um you know u.s teams and mexican teams are in completely different points of their season yes you know so you have Toronto, I think it was last year. They're they're playing these games in their preseason, almost trying to mm -hmm. figure it all out. And the and the Mexican teams are in full stride. So, I th personally believe for for one of these uh, for an MLS Cup champion or you know any team represent MLS, what we want to see out of these dominant teams, whether it was Toronto the other year or uh, Atlanta this year. We want to see that success continue into Champions League, and that's when I think, um, you know, we've evolved in the in the type of players and the teams we're putting together in this league. So it, I th I have a lot of high hopes for Atlanta going in there. Um, another note is the Campiones Cup, which was announced. Um, the second the second ever will be this year with the league winner of Liga MX and the MLS champion. So I think it was Tijuana or Tijuana versus Toronto last time and now you know we'll see who atlanta faces atlanta year. feel better set up to deal with those types of opposition than previous teams to me i i 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know about that one. We'll see. We'll see. see. And, you know, it's going to be interesting because the the big issue is what Tim said. It's when this takes place. For me, it's about MLS flexing a little bit of muscle and saying, hey, can we shift this the, the, the Champions League a little bit? Because it is not fair when you see season has ended right now for MLS. You got December, you got January, and got and, and and then you start up basically your preseason in late January, mid to late January. Well, guess when Champions League is? It's like January, February. Yeah. It's it's like that that's practically impossible for these teams to get full stride or just an understanding after you've come off a month and a half break. While Mexican League, they're they're in the middle of their season and they're they're and high stride yeah it's practically impossible well, i'm guessing the tv rights for that are more valuable in mexico than the u.s <laughs> and I, th- I think that's probably going to dominate that there the you go and, that, and that's the big issue i mean we can you know we'll have to put this discussion you know maybe in the next mm-hmm. in the next but <laughs> even season, on the next version next season of the show we can get more in depth on that even on that point how much does it affect the teams going into the year like a toronto who doesn't have a proper offseason well that's it they don't have a proper offseason they focus everything on the champions they get to the final and lose and by the time they start readjusting to go into season they're too far out of it they're ragged. Where they yeah, yeah they're ragged they're 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 worn out and they end up not even making the playoffs mm-hmm. going from arguably the best team ever in mls winning winning the triple mm-hmm. you know to not making the playoffs the next year that tells you there's a definite effect of not having an off season and losing in the final, how that affects you mentally and physically yeah. as you're going into a full stretch of a MLS season. Well, the good news for Atlanta is they're not weighed down by a DP in the middle of the park who is ineffectual. So, <laughs> you got something to say? Wow, dude, that was vicious. <laughs> <laughs> that was vicious. You're listening to the Totally Football Show American Edition. For sales and advertising, please contact hello at muddyneesmedia.com. And now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Totally Football Show, American Edition. Well, I tell you, the dream season is over for Atlanta United in a positive fashion as they walk off into the sunlight. Oh, or is that the sunset? How do you guys say it over there in England? Sunset. Sunset. Yeah. Okay. Oh, they walk off into the sunset. It's the same here, You too. tend to oh, squint yeah. when you walk into the sunlight, so it's not okay. as cinematic as As they as walk be. off into the sunsets <laughs> as MLS Cup champions. Uh, but with all that being said and done... It continues. It doesn't end because the expansion draft, that's right, everybody, the expansion draft is tomorrow. It's on the 11th. Exciting. At, at 11 a.m. Kind Eastern. Of. So, I mean, it, it's, it's bright and early. For, for, for those that don't know, the expansion draft is basically, um, we, we've touched on it a little bit before. It's when you, 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 you've 
protect players and you leave some that are open that can be picked up by the FC Cincinnati team that is coming into the into the league. There are five teams, right, that are protected because LAFC took some the previous year, so they aren't subject to this expansion draft this year where FC Cincinnati can take one player, you know, from each team. There are five teams. There's actually another one in, in Portland because they made a trade that, that encompassed uh, protection because they're clever. Yeah. So with Fer- the, the Fernando Adi trade. Exactly, yeah. So uh, Portland, Toronto, San Jose, Kansas, Seattle, Columbus, they're all exempt from having... This is this is the most schoolyard system of picking a team. <laughs> you show up, pick a guy from his team, pick a guy from his team. Well, look, it, 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 it's definitely schoolyard, but it works. You know, this is how they do it. Portland is exempt. Well, actually, they're not exempt. They're in the draft, but they made that side deal where they got Fernando. Fernando Addy was traded from Portland to FC Cincinnati as a USL team last year. So this is one of those sneaky ways you get around it, right? Because mm-hmm. FC Cincinnati knows that they're coming to MLS, so they make a USL deal with Portland get an MLS top quality striker and by the way maybe Portland could have used Addy yeah, you know yeah. this year if you think about that what he could have done in this final um, they get a top quality striker FC Cincinnati and thus they say okay we're, we won't pick anyone from your team but FC Cincinnati now has a couple including Addy a couple of MLS players already, and now they're going to be picking probably five more from various MLS clubs. So it it should be it should be an interesting time. It'll be interesting, you know, to see also who is actually let or allowed to go into this expansion draft by teams. Mm-hmm. I think you know this. It's hard for the clubs in the league already because you got to pick. You know who do, who who's part of your plans next year? Who's part of your starting eleven? Um, but then there's so many more games that go into it with players' contracts and, you know, whether they don't get picked and renegotiating and all that. Um, what are you saying as a club if you allow a player to go into this, this expansion draft and he doesn't get picked up, he's got to come back to the club for the yeah. year? <laughs> I mean, yeah. what, what, what's the player going to be thinking all year? I mean, it, you know, it, it, for most of these players, they don't get picked. So, you know, it's it's interesting because you're sending a message to your guys that's saying, hey, you know, either we're okay with losing you or we don't think they're going to take you. You'll be all right and, you'll, you know, you'll be here next year. Um, I think for, for Cincinnati, from their point of view, it's also, you know, we need guys with experience in this league so we can build a foundation. Um, we've seen in the past a lot of players who – you know, might be coming to the end of their contracts or cycles with their team guys, you know, guys like LAFC pick Benny Failhaber and some of these guys who can still produce, but their current teams just might be looking at younger talent to take their spot. So I think it's interesting because you're seeing a lot of guys who've performed in this league and have done well, who will be left unprotected. And, and that it always sends interesting messages, um, you know, around the rumor circles and all of that. So it'll it'll be interesting. Yeah. Well, we, we've seen from LAFC and in hockey, the Golden Knights, that it is possible to attract a team from these guys who are unprotected and not wanted that can succeed. Yeah, there's enough talent, I think, on the board in this expansion draft, um, you know, especially with one team coming in. They have their pick, you know. It, it, it's almost cruel that these teams in the league can't protect more, but... Cincinnati's added a couple guys from the USL team, so I think it's important. Yes, they got uh, Fernando Adi, they got uh, Fatai Alashi from San Jose, but 
they have about three or four guys they've signed from the USL side, which is very rare, I think, for an expansion team to come in. Yeah, well, the the good thing for them, for their USL side, I mean, those players – I don't won't have much of an issue with the transition because when they are playing, you know, they're playing in front of crowds. You know, mind you, as a USL team, they were getting thirty, forty thousand to their game, so they yeah. have a, a understanding of what a big game is going to be like. Now, it's just going to be about maybe upping the pace a little bit to understand what MLS is going to be like here. Uh, I think FC Cincinnati also gets a a little bit of a, of an advantage in the fact that. As you mentioned, they're the only team. It's not like next year when it's going to be two teams coming in, you know, picking up players. So now they have the pick of the litter, mm-hmm. you know, so to speak, of where to go and who to, who to choose from. Uh, so you, you know, they, look, it, it's how it's been done in different variations through the years i mean we're calling it the expansion draft now i can remember with the la galaxy back in you know 96 when we were starting out and we we had a a good team that first year but in 98 when chicago was coming in we lost chris armis you Mm -hmm. know to to the chicago fire who ended up winning that year they took one of our players that me and I can still remember it to this day when myself and Cienfuegos found out that they allowed Chris Armas to go, we were furious. He was the the bolster of our midfield. He was that the the guy that won all the tackles. He was the little bulldog mm-hmm. that was winning everything. And they let him go to Chicago. I was oh God, still he still, did that still, in Chicago still for the next ten years. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. If people forget he was an L.A. Galaxy guy to begin with. It's, Thank it, you. It's it, 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 yeah the. The decision making is about the people in charge making the decisions that can create chaos or create a champion. And oh man, that 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 one. Well, they, yeah. cre- they created a champion in Chicago. You yeah, better stop before we got to put a, a parental <laughs> guidance on the and podcast. That, yeah, that's yeah. another. <laughs> I think that's another exciting side of this expansion draft is like you'll see a lot of big names on that board you could take, but you know they can scout and find these young guys who can contribute in the next year two years and might turn into a league star so yeah. oh man imagine how you feel if you're one of those players who, who's unprotected but also not drafted you, you like the kid on the playground who doesn't get picked for the uh, that's the, the majority teams? of them <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that will be yeah. the majority be great for the self-esteem going into the yeah. new season for those guys yeah yeah well I'll, I'll tell you somebody that is not going to be picked and will not be in the expansion draft and someone that we need to give a little bit of a shout out to, to his career and everything he, that he has done. And that is Clint Dempsey. You yeah. know, he, he is retired from the game and he is, it was fantastic. The deuce as he is known over here. I think he, he was known, known in England too. U S first England. Was he known for something in that? I forget. Was it all, between the legs? We, we don't right, like right, it. Right. <laughs> <in the past laughs> we went forward thinking people here. He, 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 I mean, he's remembered in England. He, you know, he, he's, he had a, um, decent career in England and he's of course he's known for his rapping skills in England too (laughs) (laughs) he's probably the the foremost rapper in MLS he's a legend within the game and and I think that's great and and you know retiring this year up in Seattle for for years we've got to give him a shout out I think he's earned that due Mm -hmm. you know that he's been something spectacular spectacular at the MLS level when he was in New England Mm -hmm. and when he was at Seattle and you know his time as a U.S. national team player you know that needs to be recognized. I, I think we have to show recognition to the players that came before you that have done and given so much to the game. It's What's just your, cruel uh, how how age works because you know you don't get to you don't get to decide when you retire necessarily. You know the guys had health issues and yeah, yeah. He's, it, it's kind of sad that he he kind of just disappeared off into the darkness a little in in mid season. And you know I hope that the team do something. I'm sure they will. Right? They 
they're going to have plans to to recognize him properly. Well, I think they did some some bits of recognition, you know, at the time, but nothing major, you know. And the one thing that I know, and you know, I've been there, is if stuff doesn't happen right away, it tends to fade, and then people tend to forget, you know. Mm-hmm. So I I wouldn't be surprised. I would love for them to do something big and extravagant for a player of Clint Dempsey, like the Clint Dempsey, Clint Dempsey England v USA international <laughs> friendly. <laughs> there, there, there you go. There you go. It, the funny thing is they might do it. It might be like the old retired guys, you know, coming out <laughs> yeah. there and do it. And I Legends. might get a call. All right. Oh, I can barely move. But, you know, he can, you know, he can come down, you know, anytime, head out to the beaches, you know, if you know oh. what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Uh, something else we got we to gotta jump on really quick. I want to get – we talked about this uh, MLS season. Um, MVP. MVP. It, yeah. it went to Joseph Martinez. You know, it's MVP – for the, the the MLS season. I want to go to someone that maybe you guys think should have been recognized as possibly as an MVP. And I and I will start off. I'll, I'll be saying I'm going to the same team. I'm going for Miguel Amaron. I think mm-hmm. he should have been the MVP of the league just because of everything that he created and helped uh, establish in Atlanta. And, his, and I mean on the field, his ability. And we saw when Amaron wasn't on the pitch – that Joseph Martinez became less effective, you know, as a player. So we show with and without Amaron, Atlanta United is a completely different team. And I think they won that championship due to his ability to run, to run at the heart of defenses in the midfield. So he, for me, I think Amaron is the MVP. I would say I'd, I'd go along with that. I mean, first of all, I would say Zlatan had a great season and Rooney had a great half season, but they didn't come through in the playoffs. So I think it's hard to argue too much with Martinez, but I personally I, I would have gone for a split award and a shared award between Almiron and Martinez because it's so hard to distinguish out of a partnership like that, you know, which is the individual who who excels more. So every now and again, I think there's a case for a shared player of the year. I think this could have been it. You're just like the most indecisive there. Uh, Rooney <laughs> and Slotten and Martinez and Almiron. Why don't you just do a quadruple <laughs> split? Everyone gets a piece of the prize. No, it's an MVP. There's one most, it's not the most valuable for people. It's the most valuable person. MVP. Who is it? Then I'd probably go with you on Almiron. Okay. Yeah. Thank you very much. Done. Next. <laughs> I think with these awards, we see in almost, you know, goal scorers who are valued way higher. Uh, so, you know, it, if I don't think there's any player in the league we can make a case for if you took Joseph Martinez out of the equation, um, who would who deserves it more than Almiron? It's it's hard to think of anyone else who put in uh, or made the impact on their team. Zlatan, a lot of these guys had great couple months, great moments, but it would be completely unfair to give it to anyone outside of Miguel. See, there you agree. I see. I, I say it, it's most valuable player because it's not just scoring. That's mm-hmm. best score. You know, that's that's league score, and that she elevates the team. Right? Like yeah, overall. yeah. He elevates that team to a whole nother level. Mm-hmm. I think if he's not there, they don't win the championship. Okay, unsung hero. Now this is. I'm going to go to you first, PJ, because yeah. now you can just you can roll off on all those players now for who who's that unsung hero in this league. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney, there it is. Okay, next. <laughs> we already know. Go ahead. Who 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 are you going to go with? I, I thought Stefan's had a great season. That mm-hmm. seen him, you know, end up with a a move to you know probably the best club in, in world football at the moment or the best team in world football at the moment so yeah I, I think that guy 
deserves a shout out. I would say Daniel Salawi um, from Kansas City, just because I think nobody expected a young Hungarian kid to do so much for their club. I mean, he saved them so many times and helped them reach, you know, how far they went in the season without his his clutch last minute goals. I don't see it happening. And for it to happen for such a young kid, um, I think it's awesome. It, it's exciting. And I don't think, it, yeah, no one expected it from right. him. So he would be my guy. I, I am going to make you such a happy man. I'm going to go with Rooney. See, you look know, how, see, look see how see unbiased that? I am. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, yeah, you did Stefan eliminate from the playoffs. No, I'm talking about an unsung hero here. Mm-hmm. And look, we're just talking about this situation. I'm talking about Rooney because of what he did for the club. Not Look at look at DC United mm-hmm. and, 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 and Ben Olsen. What everybody was talking about before Rooney arrived to that club. Is Ben gonna survive? We're going into the. We got this new stadium, and should he be the one to bring to bring us there? This team is terrible. They were at the bottom of the Eastern Conference. Rooney arrives, and all of a sudden they start climbing the ladder. He actually made Luciano Acosta a, a oh. player that everyone is talking about now yeah. about how great he is. What were they saying before about him? They're like, oh, well, he's all right, you know. But but he found someone to combine with and play with, and all of a sudden his level has gone up. So I think. What Rooney brought up, as we talked about, the level of the club, but also of another player where he raised mm-hmm. he raised the value of a player like Acosta where everyone's talking about he's one of the best in the league now. Mm-hmm. And that, I think, is something special where, and remember, this is the unsung hero. I'm giving Rooney that unsung hero award. Because was, there that. One, was there one guy that you played with like that that brought the best out to you that just connected with you? Or? Me. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, a player like that, uh, Martin Machon. I, I think uh, Guatemalan uh, international. I thought he he was in the midfield and his ability to win tackles, win balls, and his service allowed me to become better. Because when I would make the runs, we had a good connection, and he was able to. It was like one of those things. He would get it, didn't even have to look, and he knew what I was going to be doing, where I was going to be making that run, and he would hit the balls over the top, and I could get on, and I could go to score score the goals. So I always look at Martin Machon as that one of those players. Vamos Guatemala. All right. Welcome back, everyone. The Women's World Cup draw was made over the weekend. Let's take a look at what the U.S. women's national team are facing. It looks like the USA is in the group along with Thailand, Chile, and Sweden. Now, looking at this, it would seem that the USA, look, you can take, take, can't take any team for granted, but it looks like the U.S. has fallen in a pretty favorable group. Um, the U.S. is in Group F. So it should be, we should be seeing the U.S. go through to the next round. Um, w- w- a couple of the more difficult groups, I would say, Group C, people are talking about that one as the group of death. We have Australia, Italy, Brazil, and Jamaica. Um, nice for the Italian silver team in the World Cup. Uh, you got to like that, huh? Oh. You got to like that. Uh, <laughs> Could have said the same about the English one time. <laughs> oh, right. Last show of the season, people are starting to take some digs. I like it. All right. Good stuff. Another tough group. Um, they're talking about Group A, France, Korean Republic, Norway, and Nigeria. That should be a little bit more on the difficult side. But either way, we're in the countdown now for the 2019 FIFA Women's World Cup in France. I'm excited. i got to see if I can get over for that one. Yeah. Um, U.S. have got Thailand, Chile, Sweden. Sweden in the Hope Solo derby. You know, people might remember from the Olympic game after the US were eliminated by the Swedes. 
I think because the defensive style, Hope Solo took it upon herself to call them cowards. You know, and there are people who might say she's well placed to recognise cowardice. Um, <laughs> you know, she's got a checkered past, right? So, uh, yeah, she said the best team didn't win, etc., etc., and it left a bad say. So I'm sure the Swedes will be well up for it. Yeah, a little bit of a shock that Hope Solo had a, something controversial to say, right? Surprise. Pray yeah. for Hope. Um, <laughs> Is that a hashtag? Yeah, we'll make one. <laughs> we'll make one. I think it's going to be an exciting Women's World Cup. But one thing I see is, you know, we're used to the U.S. kind of dominating on the women's side for a while. But watching some of these other countries as they start to pour resources into the women's game, um, there's been some really exciting teams. I think France is a super fun team to watch. Uh, You see Australia really kind of catching up and starting to go into that top 10 of the world. And they have some, some of the world's best players on their team. So, this it used to be really kind of easy to pick, you know, top top four in the women's game, but now I think there's a lot of teams who can who can make it exciting. So it'll be a fun one. Well, that that that's the big the big issue, right? Is that the resources are starting to go in. I think it's a it's on par of you know internationally of what like MLS has done for this region, where mm-hmm. players from like Central America and South America can come up and play, and the, and the Americans and Canadians as well. Now you have within the women's game players are going to France Mm -hmm. to play players are coming and playing here in the US and so it's allowing more players to play the game more individual players to get better and to help support their national team so now you're seeing the competition you're not going to see it like in the past where the US just strides right into the final yeah this is going to be a difficult situation which which, my argument with everything competition um having these rivalries you know give it the hope or not makes these games more exciting because now everyone's just going to be like okay i gotta watch this u.s sweden game because there's a lot of a lot of smack talk that happened in the past we'll see how this rivalry builds over the years you know this this is great to see yeah i think i think the u.s are coming towards the twilights of the dominance like you say that you know because there's a lot of work still to be done on the domestic infrastructure in the leagues here and those talented US players like you say France England you know there's been a real surge in investments in the English game and uh, obviously the, the, the French league's good and the, and the Germans so it's it's going to be interesting to see over the next two to four years how that affects the national teams of each of those and, and I think we're going to see them catch up if yeah. they haven't already with the US team yeah yeah this is good I mean I mean I don't know where you stand here but I'm going to go USA well take a guess Kobe <laughs> Uh, managed uh, by Everton legend uh, Phil Neville, uh, the Lionesses, yeah. England. Oh, I so hope they meet up. <laughs> <laughs> I so hope they meet up. That's going to be a good one. We're going to be sitting next to each other, hopefully at the game, watching yeah. it. You know, when England <laughs> played the U.S. men's team, I remember just the, the group text went kind of quiet in the second half. Uh, just You know, so hopefully you can keep it up a bit more when the women's team face when, each other. What happened the last time the U.S. played England in a major tournament and not the Wayne Rooney testimonial? <laughs> That's such a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know what I remember about it vividly is over the English badge is a little star just like embroidered on the back. What was that for? Nobody what, can remember. Was that for Cantona? No. <laughs> <laughs> I heard 66 was a good year for England. <laughs> Cantona was born. <laughs> All right, everybody. Thanks for joining us again on the Totally Football Show American Edition. It's been a fun run through the playoffs. Keep an eye on our social media for updates. Hey, I'd like to thank Tim, whose handle is at T. Walsh. 
1.88. PJ, who you can find at Harry Vision. And a reminder, you can follow myself at Kobe Jones 13 and the show at Totally American on Instagram and at TFS American on Twitter. Thank you much for following us. We can't do it without you.